Good morning, and wherever you are in the world, whether it's afternoon or evening, hello from Under the Wire. My name is Meryl Dory, and I am the founder of the Australian Vaccination Risks Network and also the mother of a child who was injured by his vaccines in 1989 and again in 1990. And I am so happy to have you join me here today on our show. And I have a desk full of information that I need to share with you. I'm going to try and keep it as brief as I possibly can. But there's some really important things going on that you need to be aware of. And most importantly, that you need to be active on. Because here in Australia, our rights to choose... Um, whatever it is we want as far as medication or preventative medicine goes is being seriously challenged. And once again, that challenge is being led in that beacon of freedom of Australia, Victoria, the state of Victoria. So if you don't subscribe to our email newsletter, you will not have seen this, but we sent out a newsletter about two hours ago um, and uh, there's a picture of it up on the screen here. A little later on, I will show you how to sign up for our newsletter. It's free. So um, if you are not already subscribed, good morning, Adam. It's good to see you here. You're always the first one on, and you're an hour earlier than me, so that's really above and beyond the call. Um, so if you are not already subscribed, I will show you how to do that a little later on in the show. But our newsletters... Um, keep you informed of act actually what's going on in the area of vaccination. Sharon out in WA, hi there. It's pretty early for you too. So um, this week, the Australian, sorry, the Victorian um, legislation was introduced that would make vaccination compulsory for any healthcare worker. Hello, Sally Ann. And hello, Kim. It's good to see you both. I've got to stop doing this because I'll never get through the show. So everybody who joins after this and says hello, I'm going to give you one blanket hello back. Um, wow, listening while walking the dogs. That's good multitasking, Sally Ann. Um, all right, so the Victorian legislation will make vaccination compulsory for anyone who's a health professional, from doctors to nurses to orderlies, possibly. We're not really sure because it hasn't been um, finalized yet. But uh, there was a press release put out, and in the uh, email newsletter that we sent out this morning, you can click the link to read the press release. Um, there's a statement of compatibility by Minister Foley that I think everyone should read because it basically says, well, we know this is discriminatory. Of course, this is discriminatory, but it's okay. It's okay to discriminate against people because, hey, this is Australia. So, um, I mean, he didn't really say that, but it was, that, that was the way that I sort of read it when I read that. How can you possibly try and justify discriminating against individuals? Um, and there's an explanatory memo that you can read here. Um, it says basically that employees who are healthcare workers need to be vaccinated against specified vaccine preventable diseases. Now, the thing is, whatever is specified today will be increased because new vaccines are being added all the time. So today you may only need to get, say, 10 vaccines. But in two or three years, that might be double. That might be 20 vaccines. 
That might be vaccines that contain DNA from aborted human fetuses, which you, due to your religion or your ethical values, might find uh, contrary to your beliefs. Um, they may be vaccines that you have researched and decided that either A, the disease that they're meant to prevent isn't really that dangerous, or B, that you believe from your own research as a medical professional that it is not in your best interest to take this vaccine. That doesn't matter. Once this legislation comes in, just like no jab, no pay, just like no jab, no play, which Victoria was the first one to introduce, um, you won't have a choice. You basically will not have any say over your own body. You no longer have bodily integrity. Uh, you can choose to have a job or you can choose to be vaccinated and potentially place your health and your life at risk. Um, it says these settings include public hospitals, denominational hospitals, which I'm assuming means religious hospitals, private hospitals, and ambulance services. So the ambulance drivers are going to be included in this. We don't know if this will actually include administrative staff. I mean, it could be if you work at the front desk in a hospital that you are going to need to be vaccinated. We don't know. Um, but whatever it is, uh, the secretary's direction, so the secretary is going to be the final arbiter of who is going to be targeted by this, will specify the settings and class of healthcare workers to be vaccinated and also specify the vaccinations that are to be required. So if you don't think that's arbitrary, um, I don't think you're really paying attention. Now, we are working with a group of health professionals who have already set up meetings with um, various uh, politicians in Victoria to state their concerns. And this, or, this group of individuals is very, very active, very, very aware of everything that's happening. To overturn something like this in a state like Victoria where they have a history of basically not caring about your rights, not caring about your um, inalienable right to decide for yourself, we need a lot of people. We need every healthcare worker to stand up on this. It, you know, I know that a lot of people are concerned you might be bullied. Um, you might, your job might be at risk. Well, what are you going to do? Risk your job or risk your life? Um, and even if you are a healthcare professional who agrees that vaccinations are a good thing, surely, surely, anyone who is thinking, anyone who has an ounce of conscience, would have to see that forcing people to do things like this, forcing people against their will to be vaccinated, is not something that Australia should support. So we need all health professionals and all concerned citizens to contact that email address. All of these links are in the newsletter. They are also not all the links, but most of the links are at the top of this broadcast. It's healthfreedomvictoria at protonmail.com. Contact them. Do it today. Don't wait because there are meetings set up next week. And um, there is a letter that you can use. Um, I'll just, here we go. There's a, a way to contact your local member for your electorate in Victoria, which is really good. If you don't know who your electorate member is, just click on the link in the newsletter and um, you can put in your postcode, I think, 
and then you can contact your member. There is a template letter that you can use as a basis for your own letter. Now, sending the actual template is probably not that effective because they're going to see, oh, it's a form letter. We're not really interested in this. <clears throat> Pardon me. This form letter does not mean that this person really cares about this. It just means that they copy-pasted. So make some changes to the template letter that's in this e-newsletter and send it off to your local member and also to the Minister for Health and the Shadow Minister for Health in Victoria. After you have sent off the letter, and this is really important, wait a couple of days and call them. Um, what I've heard, and I may have shared this with you before, but what I've heard is that a handwritten letter is worth a hundred votes. Um, an email is worth one vote as far as they're concerned. Uh, a personalized uh, email that's been changed and that looks different might be worth 10 votes. A phone call is a thousand votes. So they will pay so much attention to your personalized letter and then to your phone call as a follow-up. Just ask, did you get my letter? Um, has the member actually considered my concerns? What do they think? Um, are they going to support and represent me, a member of their electorate, or are they going to represent the pharmaceutical industry against my own best interests and wishes? That's all you need to say. And that will have a huge effect. And if you are a health practitioner of any kind, um, when you contact that email address that I shared before for Health Freedom, Health Freedom Victoria at ProtonMail.com, say, are you having any visits to politicians in my area? If so, I would like to attend. Um, a delegation is more powerful than an individual when it comes to these sorts of things. You know, the AVN cannot do it for you. And if you don't want to be targeted with a, a medical procedure that you don't approve of, you need to take action yourself. We can give you the information. We can put you in touch with the people who are active on the ground. But in the end, it's going to have to be you standing up, being brave, and doing this. Because if you don't, and you lose your rights, well, there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing. Once this legislation comes in the way it is, it's going to be hell's own time overturning it. But if you can stop it before it's passed, you got a chance. So please, don't wait. Do this, okay? So that is Victoria, and I'll just scroll down a bit. Here is the genetic, generic letter. <laughs> Let's say genetic letter. Here is the genetic letter or the form letter that you can use. And like I said, copy this into a Word document or something and change it to suit you. Put in your own story. You know, I have a child who was injured by a vaccine. I myself was injured by a vaccine. I know someone who was injured by a vaccine. I have done X number of hours of research on this subject. Whatever it is that will get your message across from you personally so that they know that you actually wrote this, that's what you should do. And then use the information in the rest of the letter that's been put together to actually reach these people. Do that and um, you will be doing a fantastic thing. So that is Victoria and we need to stop this. South Australia 
has snuck in, and I say snuck in because nobody knew this was happening. It's only because people have been watching the legislation um, that this was discovered. It's it's like when no when um, the Child Care Payments Act was going to be amended back in 1998. Um, we were this was before we even had much internet, and I don't even know if Hansard was up on the internet then. But one of our members actually worked for Hansard and contacted us and said, "Are you aware that they've put this amendment into Veterans Affairs legislation?" So it wasn't even in healthcare legislation, and because of that, we were able to act. Well, this was very much the same. One of our members, who is very active um, legally, uh, looked at the legislation in South Australia, just checked Hansard just for the sake of it, and found that they were introducing this. And both this South Australian uh, legislation and the Victorian legislation looks like it's going to be pushed through very quickly. So this is not something we can wait on. You have to take action now. So in South Australia, for the second time, they are trying to push through no jab, no play, which will prevent any unvaccinated child from attending preschool or childcare. Um, it is already in existence in Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland in a modified basis because in Queensland, childcare centers and preschools can choose to accept unvaccinated children. Um, and Western Australia. So they're trying to put this through in South Australia. It failed last time because of the efforts of the local uh, people who were involved in this issue. Don't ever think that you don't have power to do this, to change things, because you do. But you have to do it. You can't expect other people to do this for you. You can't feel that, um, that if you sit back, someone else is going to take care of it. They're not. Everybody, every single person who lives in Victoria and South Australia who cares about freedom, who cares about human rights, who cares about health, must get involved in this now. It's, you can't wait. You just can't wait. So um, there is already a group in there, and it's the same group that overturned or that, that did not allow the legislation to go through before, and they are extremely savvy. Um, with this issue. So there is contact information here for that group. There is information again for you to check your electorate and um, to check which member, uh, I don't know what the state government is in South Australia, so pardon me if it's not members. Um, you can check all of that information here and then again Send an email, even better, if you want to take the time to write it out by hand, send an email and follow it up with a handwritten letter, and then a phone call. Phone, that, that phone call step is so important. Um, and there is, once again, a template letter that you can use and uh, change for your own purposes. So all this information is out there. Hours and hours of hard work by people on the ground have gone into getting this information together and getting it to you. So please, don't waste time, okay? Don't do it. You need to do this now. You need to, and it's only people, I think, who live in Victoria and South Australia who are needed at this point in time. But if you live in those areas, um, and in South Australia, Visa is the group 
that is involved in doing this along with other individuals. And Visa has been around as long as the Australian Vaccination Risks Network has been around. So uh, they've been working hard at the coalface and they need your support too. So please don't wait. Take action today. Um, send out those emails, write those letters, get this done, and then Tuesday or Wednesday next week, follow up with a phone call. If these offices get flooded with phone calls after receiving emails and mail about this issue, they're going to think this is votes. And votes are what matter to them. I mean, the money from pharma matters, but votes are what's going to keep them in office. So let them know that you are watching. Um, our future is in our own hands. And that's exactly what we need to remember. No one else is going to do this. We need to do it. And if you want to see the legislation defeated, you need to step up. You just need to do it. So um, I'll, I'll leave that issue for now. Uh, I will only ask one thing. But if you do take this action, no, sorry, I'm changing that. When you take this action, if you feel like it, uh, share your letters with us at AVN Inquiries. That's inquiries with an E. So AVN Inquiries at avn.org.au. We would love to see what you're writing. And it could be very useful for us uh, in future lobbying. So you don't have to. But if you feel like it, and we will, of course, never share your information with anyone else. But um, if you feel able to and you want to, send a copy of your letter to us as well. Okay? Thanks a lot for that. Now, the next issue is, um, I don't know how many of you remember Lindsay Day, because I actually um, read about this a while ago. Um, sorry, I thought I had this set up here. Um, here we go. Lindsay Day was a young man, 39 years old, so young. And that's him with his wife. And he got a flu vaccine because they were having their first grandchild. And he was told that he should be vaccinated. He got the flu vaccine. I think it was, uh, I don't remember exactly what the brand name was. But he got the flu vaccine. And at the same time, he got a DTaP shot, a diphtheria tetanus and whooping cough shot, Boostrix. Um, I just want to let you all know that there has never been a study, first of all, of each vaccine individually for safety. That's never been done. But never been a study of the safety of giving both of those vaccines at the same time, yet it happens every single day. Um, ben Hammond was paralyzed in Western Australia by that shot. And this gentleman, Lindsay Day, died within a very short time. And what happened was um, there was a coronial, the, the coroner looked at the, the, the case and decided that um, his cause of death was one thing. And by putting that down as the cause of death, it could possibly have linked his death within 44 hours of vaccination. A perfectly, perfectly healthy young man. Look at him. Um, he died within 44 hours of the vaccination. And if the coroner had been allowed to let that cause of death stand, then there could possibly have been a link drawn between the vaccine he was given and his death. It, let me tell you, if this had been any other drug, if this had been an antidepressant, if it had been a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, if it had been 
diabetes medication. And someone had died within 44 hours of getting that medication for the first time, there would have been no doubt. It would have been the drug. But with a vaccine, we cannot question vaccination. So what happened was the coroner changed uh, the, the cause of death to uh, a heart attack. Uh, but it was an, he said that there was an underlying condition. Now, this page was put together by supporters of Lindsay Day. And in here is the most incredible, let me just click on it, timeline. It shows you every single thing that happened and when. When he was vaccinated, what happened after that. He got sick within a very short time. This was a young man who never really was sick. He was incredibly healthy. And um, he got up for work. He had a massive seizure, massive seizure, was taken to hospital by ambulance. The other thing is his wife is a nurse. So she knew what was going on. Um, she did CPR. Um, he was taken to hospital. And what the doctors in the hospital, I think one of the neurologists said, was that his brain had turned to oatmeal or porridge. Sorry, I'm showing my American. His brain had turned to porridge. So what can do that in 48 hours? Well, vaccines can do that. There have been instances of not somebody saying that a brain had turned to porridge, but of that sort of edema or swelling of the brain leading to aneurysms, leading to all sorts of vascular problems um, in the brain and throughout the body. So they had actually done... They put a stent in, I think, um, while he was in the emergency department, and they checked his arteries, and they could find no evidence of any damage. They actually said his arteries were very clear. So to then change the, um, the diagnosis to an underlying heart problem, it was no more than a cover-up. And what's happened is, because the coroner made this decision, because um, Lindsay Day's family... Uh, basically waited on the coroner, as anybody would, to see what would happen because they trusted the government. And it shows you, you just can't trust the government all the time with things like this. Um, they now have to appeal for a coronial inquest into Lindsay's death. They're going to have to provide, um, uh, what do you call them, expert witnesses to come in. This is all going to cost a fortune. So they are doing a fundraiser and they've stayed away from the fundraising pages like GoFundMe because we all know what they do with anything like this. They take the, the fundraiser down and they return the funds. Um, they are trying to raise $75,000 and right now it's only just gone up. They're up to 1000 Now I'm telling you there are two fundraisers that I'm pushing today on Under the Wire and I want you to donate to both of them. I want you to donate to Lindsay Day's fundraiser. Why? Because I care about their family for one thing, but also for another thing. Because if this inquest goes ahead, and if the expert witnesses bring forward information that will show that Lindsay Day died not from an underlying heart condition that he never had, but from the combination of vaccines that he was given, it is going to open the floodgates and set a precedent that can be used by so many other families who are in this situation, sadly, where, where 
um, adults have either been killed, like Lindsay, or permanently injured, like Ben Hammond. Um, these people deserve justice. Lindsay's family deserves justice. And the only way that we're going to get justice is if we support things like this. So it's not just for Lindsay's family that we're asking you to do this. It is for everyone to to support this and to get to the truth of what actually happened to Lindsay. Now, um, I know money is tight. Everybody has problems with money. Give $5. Get one less cup of coffee this week. I mean, everybody can afford $5. And if thousands of people give $5 each, imagine how that will get them up to that $75,000 figure really quickly. So if at all possible, uh, again, that link is at the top of the broadcast. Support this fundraiser if you can. That would be great. Okay, thank you for that. Um, the next item I want to cover is um, in New Jersey, and I spoke about this a little bit. We have so much negative news in our community, so many government bodies that are trying to take away our rights, like we see in Victoria, like we see in South Australia, like we see in California and New York and the United States. There are so many efforts to stop us, and yet um, a, a survey just came out in the U.S. where vaccination has been compulsory since 1978. A study was done in the U.S. saying that one-third of parents were delaying or stopping vaccinating their children. How good is that? It shows you that regardless of the efforts to make sure that people don't have a choice, people are not stupid and they will exercise their rights to choose. So this um, is a politician in New Jersey by the name of Jamel Holly. And he's a young man and a Democrat. Now, I've been following American politics for the last three years. I never followed politics before that, but I have been consuming um, politics in the United States because I really feel that when it comes down to it, um, the changes to our community are going to come from America. And uh, with all the negative stuff that's going on with Dick Pan and with um, all these people in New York and in California who are saying we have no rights and we're going to take your children if you try and exercise your rights, there are beacons of light. I spoke uh, two weeks ago about South Dakota and how they are, uh, if they've introduced legislation that looks like it might pass in this session, uh, that will require fully informed consent. Um, so in other words, you have to be given the package insert for the vaccine 48 hours before your child is supposed to be vaccinated. Doctors have to answer all your questions, and doctors cannot say, uh, don't come back to my practice, we're not going to take care of you anymore if you choose not to vaccinate. And vaccination cannot be mandatory. So, I mean, there are states like this where, where beacons of light are happening. And New Jersey, believe it or not, which is home to just about every pharmaceutical company in the United States, um, this young Jamel Holly, uh, who is a Democrat, and Democrats have been pushing all these, all these horrible uh, bits of legislation, he has 
actually listened to the people who came to see him. He, is, he wrote an opinion piece in a New Jersey newspaper called, I Heard the Cries, Then I Saw the Faces, My Vaccine Story. He's pro-vaccine. There's no doubt about it. This man believes that vaccines are good. But he also believes that people should have the right to choose. So he talked about when he was in the assembly, how his vote got changed. He was going to vote for this legislation that would take away the religious freedom of people to say that they had religious objections to vaccination. So he heard there were over 10,000 people outside of the New Jersey State House, the assembly, uh, for an entire week with their young children. Um, outside and inside. There were so many people that they couldn't all fit inside. And I've got to tell you, it was freezing cold. I mean, I don't think it got much above freezing for that entire time. And at night, it went well down below. And he says, and then I saw the faces of the children tightly wrapped up in warm winter clothing for long hours into the late night. Some of those children, sadly, were injured by vaccines. And he spoke with a lot of the parents. He didn't just sit there and look at them and think, oh, you know, these are nothing more than anti-vaxxers. So he actually talked to them. He said parents, children, clergy, elected officials, and supporters, all united, side by side, gathered by the thousands, inside and outside, and around the public areas of the state house. Yes, Kim, that's exactly right. That is how it should be. Um, and that is how Australia can overturn what's happening in Victoria, what's happening in South Australia, with thousands of parents, clergy, elected officials, and supporters showing up and standing up. We can do the same thing. There is nothing special about Americans that they did this. This is something that all of us can do. So he listened, and he voted against the legislation. And because he voted against the legislation, he was on all these committees, basically, in America, there are committees that decide how much funding people get, um, what sort of legislation is going to be considered. And it's a big, uh, you know, it, it's very important for people who are elected to be on these committees. And because he did not toe the party line, he was kicked off of most of his committees. And I would not be surprised at all if this man switched parties and became a Republican. But what he has done is he has joined with the Republicans um, because he, he actually did some investigation. After this happened, he looked into the issue and he realized, hey, there are some real questions here. This is not craziness. This is not just some people trying to blame something. This is real. There are real problems with vaccination. And he quotes a few of his references here. How amazing is that? And he said this is only the tip of the iceberg with vaccination. And the fact that he got this into a mainstream newspaper means that the people who are reading this article, which could be millions of people, maybe tens of millions of people, are actually going to have an opportunity to, um, to look at this information too. So what he said is he was joining with, let me just find it, I join Senate Republican sponsors Mike Testa and Joseph Panacchio on S1734 that requires healthcare practitioners to provide information to a patient on, or the patient's guardian at least 48 hours 
prior to the administration of a vaccine. So in other words, he wants them to have informed choice. That information must include a copy of the insert for the vaccine produced by the manufacturer for inclusion in the vaccine's packaging and a list of the vaccine ingredients produced by the Federal Centers for Disease Control. Now, about 20 years ago, we tried to get this put into legislation, this exact thing, because we said parents right now don't have an opportunity to make an informed choice because they don't even know what the vaccine insert says. And we got a response from the government basically saying that this will raise too many questions and parents won't understand it. They might be led to be fearful about vaccination, so we can't do that. And if telling the truth about the real risks of vaccination and letting parents know what the ingredients actually are might make them choose not to vaccinate, then we have a moral and, I think, a legal obligation to do that. But I digress. He's also sponsoring S1791. S stands for Senate, I think, or state, I'm not sure, um, which would make the state liable for damages stemming from certain vaccine-related injuries. So take it away from that vaccine court in the United States where it's almost impossible to get compensation, and he's going to hold the state accountable. Now, if the state has to pay compensation, I can see a time in the very near future where the state will say vaccines are no longer required. Um, and he says, if the vaccine is mandated by state law, rule, or regulation as a condition of attendance at a child care center, preschool program, elementary or secondary school, or institution of higher education, or by emergency declaration at the time of the vaccine's administration, which is sort of what we're talking about with the coronavirus, um, an assembly resolution, I don't know what the difference is, is also pending introduction urging the President of the United States and Congress to repeal the Federal National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, which has shielded vaccine manufacturers from liability, removed economic and legal incentives for companies to develop safe vaccines, and made it difficult for those injured by vaccines to receive compensation. And that 1986 Act does not just protect the pharmaceutical companies, it protects the doctors, the nurses, and the government. You cannot sue any of them. Even if the pharmaceutical company releases a vaccine and knows that if you have this underlying condition, that vaccine can kill you, and you're not screened for that, it doesn't matter. You are not able to sue the company. They are totally... Um, uh, sorry, they are totally immune to any form of legislation, uh, any form of compensation. So that is the only true immunity concerning vaccinations, is the vaccination immunity given to pharmaceutical companies and the medical industry and the government in the United States. The fact that this man has gone from supporting legislation that would remove religious freedom to a point where he is there saying, I want to protect the freedom of the individual to make these choices and take away the legislation that protects the pharmaceutical industry shows you the power of the information, the real information about vaccine harms and side effects that most people are never shown. So this is why we need to be truth speakers. We need to be out there talking about this issue on social media, in person, whatever. We need to be sharing this information because if this man can be convinced in such a short amount of time that there is a real question regarding vaccination, then any thinking person on the street can do the same.
And once we reach that critical mass, once we have changed the minds, and we don't have to, probably change the minds is not a good term, because we're never going to change anyone's mind. But what we have to do is educate them and let them know that there are valid scientific concerns regarding the safety and efficacy of vaccinations and they need to look into it. Once we've reached that point, it will steamroll. It will become a self-fulfilling prophecy that people are going to start questioning and people are going to start saying, my freedoms, I'm going to support them. So I'm just going to look at a couple of the comments now that I finished mouthing off here. Uh, first, Christine. Hi from Australia. Totally agree with you. Vaccination must not be mandatory. People must be given a choice. Australians must stand up against controlling dictators in government. Power to the people. Absolutely. And the people need to claim that power. Nobody's going to give it to us. We need to take it. So we have the power. We just need to use it. So that's why it is so important that everybody uh, take action now. And Crystal Beekeeper, greetings from Oregon, U.S. We are fighting too. Absolutely. Um, and I just heard a story. Oh, I know. I'm going to share it in a little while about a young woman who survived coronavirus. Wow. Amazing. And she's from Oregon too. So um, I know Oregon... Oregon and Washington were the two states that were probably the most free, with California too, actually the entire west coast of the United States. And then California fell and Oregon and Washington are starting to fall. So good on you for fighting that. And um, I think you've got Brian Hooker in Oregon, don't you, you lucky things. So um, thank you for joining us from Oregon. And I wish you all the best with your fight for freedom there. Okay, so I'm going to go on from basically the sublime to the absolutely ridiculous. This was an article that appeared in the Western Star newspaper yesterday, and it's behind a paywall, so you can't read the whole article, but I have a copy of it. If somebody wants a copy of it, please just send an email to avnenquiries at avn.org.au. Put um, Western Star article in the subject line, and I'm happy to send you a copy. I don't think things like this should be behind a paywall, but there you go. Um, and what happened was in Roma, Queensland, which I've been through Roma when we did the Vaxxed um, One screenings, about two years ago, I think, we went to Roma and we did a screening there. And it is a tiny, tiny little town, very rural. Um, it's, I don't know if it's considered central Queensland, Queensland, but it's central eastern Queensland probably. And what happened was people started finding cards. Now, you can see one of them here. I, I love that they've blocked out the um, web address that's at the bottom of that card. I think that's one of the cards from Learn the Risk, but I'm not sure. Um, so people started finding these cards in packages of nappies and in packages that had baby wipes and in packages that had baby formula. So it's not like it was contaminating anything. This is not like the um, strawberry incident where people put um, pins inside of strawberries and farmers had to throw away tons of strawberries. This was just an information card. And oh my God, you would think that someone had gone out there with a gun and just shot people by the headlines that are here. Anti-vaxxers spreading dangerous message in baby products. <gasps> Shock horror. 
and they they quote this mother of two, Jessica. I hope I'm Jessica. Sorry, Jessica Lee Brand was horrified. Oh my God! When she opened a box of nappies she purchased from Woolworths Roma and found a card stating, "There's no such thing as a safe vaccine." Um, I was pretty angry. As parents, we make our own decisions whether we vaccinate or not. Ms. Brand said, "Well, that's exactly." what the person who put this card in there wanted, I'm assuming, because nobody would have told you that there is no such thing as a safe vaccine. Now, at least you've been given that information. The ball's in your court, Jessica. Um, and I love this quote. This is my favorite quote from the whole article. Um, the last thing mothers want is someone telling them what to do with their kids. Really? And yet, I bet you support no jab, no pay, and no jab, no play, which is exactly that. The government telling us what we can do with our kids. Now, would you rather make that choice yourself, or would you rather have the government tell you what you have to do? Think about it, Jessica. Um, so they go on to talk to the manager of Health Plus, who said we've probably found 20 or so after the last few weeks, which have just gone straight in the bin. I don't know how many have been put out. I don't know who's doing this, but um, I have to say that it's a great idea. Something that I used to do, and I don't go to doctors or hospitals anymore, but um, you know, as, as a mother of four active children, there were times when I had to go to the emergency room, and there were times when we saw the doctor. I haven't seen a doctor for a long time, but we... I used to always carry, not cards, but we had little three-fold brochures, which the AVN is going to be making again. So I would always have a stock of those brochures in my handbag. And as I was waiting in the waiting room at the doctor's surgery or the hospital, I would take all the magazines that were there and just stick a brochure in each one so that at some point in the future, people would find that. And um, if I went into a bookstore, I would go to the parents section, Dimmicks or Angus and Robertson. Do they still even exist? I don't know. Everything is online now. But I would go into the parenting section or the health section, and I would stick flyers in the books so that when people got home after buying the book, they would find a flyer. And you know what? That's, I think that's a fine thing to do. I have no problem with that. Um, and I have no problem with what these people did in Roma also because they haven't contaminated anything. All they've done is shared information. And if sharing information is a crime, we're in serious trouble. I'm just going to look at some of these quotes. Um, Sally Ann, we have to support everywhere. Share information. Yesterday, a lady with a 10-month-old asked me, why do kids have so many allergies? Wow. I said it's the vaccines and explained why. Adjuvants, food proteins in the media, leaky gut. She thanked me and asked for more information. One person by one person, we grow the questioners. And that's exactly right. And good on you, Sally Ann, for doing that. We have to be open to sharing with other people. And you know that I'm a little bit out there, um, and I tend to talk to strangers on the street. I don't just walk up to people and say, hey, what about vaccines? But if we're together and I see that there's an opportunity, I will share with people. And I have never, ever, ever, and I've been doing this for 30 years, longer than the AVNs existed, I have never had someone come back at me in a bad way. I don't tell them what to do. I tell them my story. I tell them about my son being injured, and I share the fact that I've been researching this for a long time. 
and I have questions and I need answers. So good on you, Sally Ann. Um, Sharon said there was also a Malaysian Malaysian hospital who said they had four corona patients recover with their own natural immunity. And I have heard that some Asian countries are using intravenous vitamin C uh, for coronavirus, so good on them. Um, note they never say what the dangerous message is. Well, they actually had two pictures with at least two of the cards there. But on both of them, they blocked out the web address, and I think one of them might have had a phone number because there were two lines blocked out. Because the last thing the media wants to do is let people know where they can go to get more information. And um, these, this information, um, like I said, uh, was just shared last night on the Western Star Facebook page. Now they they shared the the image from the article and an article afterwards. Now the, what happened was they put this article up and you can't access it unless you have a subscription and I refuse to give them a cent of my money. But I, I was sent this in the, in the email so I have the, the text of the first article. The second article says that the police have been alerted and they're looking at the CCTV footage to try and find out who it is. Now, I don't know what laws have been broken because there's no risk of contamination with anything that was done. But um, you have to wonder. They are spending all this time and money trying to track down someone who put information cards in packaging. What else could the police be doing at that same time? And is this really without the committing of a crime? Because I don't believe that any crime was committed in this instance. Um, is it worth the police's time to be doing this? I tend to think not, but who, do, who am I to know? Um, I just hope that, uh, A, they never find out who it was, and B, if they do, that it's it's just like a, please don't do that anymore, thank you very much, and that's it. Um, yeah, yeah, Sally Ann says, horrified to be challenged that the religion of vaccines may not be safe. That's right. That's the only religion that is supported by religious freedom right now is the vaccine religion and their high priests in the AMA. Um, libraries also have had these cards. Good on you, Sharon. <laughs> that's great. And that's another idea. Go to the library. Go to the health section and put stuff in there. Um, one person by one person. That's it. And that's how we will change things. Uh, don't ever think that you don't have the power to change things because you will. Um, so, yeah, this is the Western Star page, and I'm just going to go to it now. So, excuse me for one second. Here we go. Um, these are the comments on the post about the baby products. And, and below this, there is that second post, excuse me, there is that second post uh, talking about the police being alerted. Uh, and I love this. Baby products at mo multiple stores across Roma have been tampered with, tampered with, um, by anti-vaxxers who are spreading dangerous ideas against immunization. Now, first of all, it is not immunization. That is a lie. It is vaccination. Vaccination is completely different from immunization because everyone who is vaccinated will at some point in the future again be susceptible, whether it's the next day or six months down the track, or five years down the track, you will never be immunized by a vaccine. That is why we have multiple booster doses of vaccines, because no vaccine can actually immunize you. The only way you're immunized is by getting the illness, the infection, and then recovering from it. So 
there are over a thousand comments. My God, last night when I went to bed, there were about 150. So it's obviously hit a nerve. There are a lot of Provax trolls posting on here. And the interesting thing is that the people in our community post information. There is one woman who posted link after link after link to medical journal articles, and then she was marked as spam uh, <laughs> um, by the page. But um, we post... Uh, medical journal articles. We post our private stories about our children and our loved ones who've reacted to vaccines. Um, and the pro-vaxxers post things like, I hope you die of measles, or, um, you know, you, you are an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a moron. That is the level of debate from those who believe in vaccines versus those who want to help others by providing information so they can make their own informed choice. I don't have a horse in the race when it comes to your decision to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. The only thing I care about is that you make a choice. You are not forced into doing something against your will or against your best interests. So um, if you feel like it, go to the Western Star Facebook page and take a look at the comments and make a comment or two if you'd like. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous about going into a thousand comments right now because I'll never be able to find my way out again. But, uh, you know, you may want to take a look at it. And I don't know how many comments there are in that next article about the police being called. It's the most ridiculous thing ever, ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you and show you the level of stupidity in... Um, considering this a crime and making it front page news. And now it's a local newspaper, but still this was shared in all of the star newspapers that are owned by APN. So it went out across the country or across Queensland and Northern New South Wales. And the fact that this is considered to be news is kind of scary. It is kind of scary. So um, I just wanted to share that with you and, and, let you see what's going on. Now, the next um, area for discussion, I'm just going to show you something. Hang on a second. I'm very excited about this. This is, we haven't gotten the actual license plate yet, but this is going to be the license plate for the Australian Vaxxed Bus. And what we're asking you to do, if I'm not making you nauseous because I'm making myself <laughs> nauseous looking at that, going back and forth, what we're asking you to do is to help us put a bus behind this license plate. So um, it's real. It's going to happen. We are looking at buses now. We have gotten some amazing support from within our community. But to put this bus on the road and to keep it on the road, we're, we're planning 12 months ahead. Um, we're going to have a tour manager who's going to help arrange everything. We are going to pay for fuel. <clears throat> Pardon me. Depending on the bus that we get, we may have a bus that's big enough to sleep in. And if so, we don't have to pay for accommodation. And if it's a bus big enough to sleep in, it has a, a tiny kitchen in it, so we won't really need to pay for meals. We can save a lot of money on that. But the fuel costs are going to be horrendous. And um, there's registration um, insurance. Sorry, I knew there was something else. Registration insurance and the cost of the bus plus wrapping. We're going to wrap the bus in vinyl like the original Vaxxed bus was done. And we're going to get parents and families who've been affected by vaccine injury to sign the bus. And there are two purposes 
I guess maybe more than two. There are several important purposes for this bus. Um, number one, we are no longer able to take out ads on Facebook, social media. We are no longer able to take out ads in newspapers, on radio, on television. We are... <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I know. I have to show it again because I get goosebumps. Look at that. Look at that. Just picture that with a bus behind it. It's going to be unbelievable. So um, Sally Ann asks, do you think they can try to prevent the bus? No, I don't. I don't think they can. Um, it is it is going to be a mobile billboard and we want it to be big enough that it will have a presence um, we want it to be something big enough to have that presence but small enough that even I can drive it um, I may have to get a, a different license but we have several people who are working with us as volunteers who no, already have those higher licenses, and they said that they can take part of the driving. So we're going to make this happen. We are definitely making this happen. It's real. We need your help, but it is going to happen. So um, I'm just going to share this page. And again, this link is at the top of the page. Let me just move my face out of the way. Um, this is members' donation to the Australian Vax 2 bus. Now, we want members to help us because we fundraise from amongst our members. If you are not already a member of the AVN, please join. It's $25 a year. Uh, there is a link to that, again, at the top of this broadcast. $25 a year to join as the member. You can join one-off, meaning that you, you renew your subscription whenever you want, or you can get an annual membership. And that will automatically renew every 12 months. So I forget, we figured out the price at one time. It might have been 12 cents a week or something ridiculous like that. Uh, please join the AVN and then support the Vaxxed Bus from $5 up to whatever you can afford. If everyone would give us $5, everyone on Facebook, we would have the money tomorrow to finalize this bus purchase. So... It's, we're not asking you to go broke. We're not asking you to not put food on your family's table. We're simply asking you to give what you can. So um, let me just look at some of these comments. <laughs> Tracy said, "Woohoo! that's exactly how I feel. I honestly get goosebumps when I look at this. Kim said, oh, my God, oh, my God. I know. Kim, I understand exactly how you feel. Amber, yes. Love heart and clapping hands. That's how I feel too. Um, Lynette said fabulous. Yes, it is fabulous. Uh, Adam, I think I read this already, but I didn't show it. I love the number plate. Yes to the Australian Vaxxed Bus. Absolute big yes. Um, Sally Ann said, I want to come and join you for two weeks when I have my annual leave. I'll cook for you or do whatever I can and stay at a nearby hotel or camp out. Well, we will probably be having people coming onto the bus, depending on how much room there is, how many people want to come onto the bus. So let us know once we've got the bus. And if you want to come in and, and visit with us, we will do our best to make that happen. <laughs> and bring my kids to have them well exposed um, to fully understand. And I think that's so important. We need to talk about our children. I went a couple of days ago to meet with some of the original uh, AVN members, many of whom I haven't seen for a very long time. And all of us looked amazingly young, I have to say. <laughs> um, and what we've reached this stage in our lives where our children are 
having children and they're thinking about having children and they're talking about um, what they will do regarding vaccination. And one thing that came out so loud and clear is that it is so important that we talk to our children about this issue and why it is that we think it's important to make an informed choice because otherwise they won't understand it. So Sally Ann, you are completely right. We need to expose our children to why we've started questioning vaccination and what it is we found. Um, a lot of parents are afraid to do that and I say, no, don't be afraid to do that because it is, if you don't talk to them, how are they ever going to know? And then you might reach a point where they have children and they vaccinate their children and their children are harmed. And it is always their decision. We have to respect that decision. But we have to have provided them with a reason why they should question vaccination. Not why they shouldn't vaccinate, because that's not our role, but why they should question vaccination. And it's really important that we do that. So um, it was a very empowering and wonderful uh, time to see all these women um, Anita has been on me to start a regular uh, five minutes with the AVN where I go over a lot of the things that the AVN has done. And I will do this. They actually had a picture from that time. It was from 1998. Michael Woldridge was Minister for Health and he came out in the media and said, you are more likely... Uh, you are more likely to die from a meteorite than you are from a vaccine, and you can fit all the people who question vaccination. We weren't called anti-vaxxers then. You can fit all the people who question vaccination in Australia into a phone booth. So all around Australia, we had AVN groups that set up photo shoots in front of phone booths and took pictures of, you know, several dozen people standing in front of a phone booth with their I Support Natural Immunity AVN t-shirts on, and it was the most brilliant campaign. And I had a picture from the one in the Northern Rivers, and it just fell apart with time, but they have theirs, and they've shared it, so I will do that. I will talk about that time and everything that happened, and I promise, Anita, I will start doing those regular five minutes with the AVN broadcast, because people need to know the history of the um, vaccine choice movement in Australia and the history of the ABN and our role in that. So again, I digress. Um, the last topic that I'm going to be covering, and I'm very sorry, I really wasn't going to talk about this today, but I can't help it, um, is coronavirus. <laughs> you knew that I had to talk about this. Let me just get my face out of the way. There we go. This... I love this. I mean, I, I used to watch The Simpsons with my kids, and there is a conspiracy theory that somehow The Sims, the guy who, who did The Simpsons, Matt Groening, uh, was a time traveler <laughs> because there are so many instances of The Simpsons predicting something that act, actually ended up happening. This is from 1993, season four of The Simpsons, there is a coronavirus outbreak that comes from China. And these screenshots actually show a little bit about this. You can look it up online. I'm sure that the episode is online. Season 4, episode 21. So um, <laughs> it's just interesting to me and kind of creepy that The Simpsons covered this. Um, and right now, what we have is Donald Trump who is the only world leader I have seen saying, there's nothing to panic about, this is the common cold, let's not worry about it, let's plan for the worst, prepare for the worst, but expect the best. 
because it is just the common cold, people. This is coronavirus. It doesn't matter what they added to it, how they genetically engineered it. Post what in the comments? Oh, what do you mean? I'm sorry. Sharon just asked if I could post that in the comments, and I'm not sure what it is you wanted posted in the comments. Um, yeah, the fear campaign on silly sheep media, and that is exactly right. Um, I had saved a photo here. Yep, here it is. That's the thing. We have been fooled. And by we, I mean the mainstream media, our government, and the people who get all their information from mainstream media. Oh, the screenshot. Okay, I'll do that afterwards. I can't do it right now. Um, but I will share the screenshot afterwards. I got that off of Twitter. I just saw it this morning, and I was like, oh, i gotta, I got to snag that. So um, I'm just going to read this. It's like every two years there has been the outbreak that's going to kill us all. And every two years people panic. Governments panic. Billions of dollars go into the pockets of the pharmaceutical industry and nothing else happens. And, you know, it is how many times are we going to go through this? Coronavirus is the common cold. Okay, that's all it is. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I'm just going to read this list. In 2004, there was SARS. Now, SARS was a coronavirus. It's in the same family. And we were told it was going to be a huge outbreak, killing millions of people. And they were working on a vaccine and all of this stuff. And SARS was a fizzler. Next, in 2008... Now, that was the biggest gap. That was four years. That was avian influenza, bird flu. Millions of, well, billions of birds were killed. Um, and again, nothing happened except pharma got richer. Uh, 2010 was the swine flu vaccine, and we in Australia know very well what happened with that. Um, it was the, one of the mildest flu outbreaks we've had on record. Uh, but what happened was a lot of children were hospitalized. Several of them died. There was only one death. That was Ashley Jada Popper. That was actually reported in the media. But I personally know of two others. And if anybody is aware of deaths from that or any other vaccine, please contact us and let us know. Uh, then in 2012, I'd forgotten about this, MERS, M-E-R-S. Um, and probably you've forgotten about it too because it was that memorable. Uh, 2016 was Zika. Zika, we were all going to have babies with tiny little heads. What happened with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was in Brazil. It was linked eventually to the um, use of certain farm chemicals that had never been used before. But again, we gave in to this um, panic that was being pushed by those who wanted to make money off of the outbreak, and nothing happened. Um, 2018, two years ago, was Ebola. And again, Ebola was the disease that was going to kill us all. Death rate, like 98 out of 100 people who got it would die from it. Um, where's Ebola? Where is it? Uh, we have a vaccine that was approved on the basis of this outbreak, but thank God it hasn't been used on a mass basis yet. And then 2020, 2020 coronavirus. And if you do not watch Dell Big Trees, The High Wire, if you don't watch it every week, you're crazy, I must say. But if you, even if you don't watch it every week, watch Fridays. It's Friday in Australia, Thursday in the United States, and go to The High Wire Facebook page or The High Wire 
I think it's just the highwire.com. I don't know if I put a link to that. Um, I don't think I did, and I'm sorry. I will put a link to that afterwards because this week Dell Big Tree did a amazing show on the coronavirus, and I've been questioning it. I spoke with someone yesterday. First of all, I didn't give in to the panic. I don't think that the coronavirus is any more dangerous than any other cold virus or flu virus, which means that if you are relatively healthy, have a fairly intact immune system, you will have the sniffles, a cough, a runny nose, and that's about it. And that's the, those are the symptoms that have been reported by people for the most part. But um, I questioned why the World Health Organization has responded the way it did. I remember in 2010 with the swine flu, there were like, I don't know how many cases, just a few hundred cases reported in two or three different countries, and the World Health Organization reported a global pandemic and all sorts of emergency measures were brought in globally. Now this has been global. There have been cases reported across Europe and the United States, I mean, hardly any, uh, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Asia, all over the place, and the World Health Organization has not reported a pandemic. And I don't understand that. I still don't understand that. But Del Bigtree talked about that on his show. Um, and you need to watch this show because he links it very clearly to um, the use of a SARS vaccine, an experimental SARS vaccine in China. Um, he doesn't have proof that this vaccine was used, but the symptoms that the people are displaying, what happened was there was a SARS vaccine that I think came out in 2013, and it was tested. It went through human testing. Um, and what they found was that the vaccine itself was not causing serious reactions, which I don't necessarily believe. But when the people who were vaccinated were exposed to this SARS virus in the community, this type of coronavirus in the community, they had horrible symptoms, including um, hemorrhagic symptoms where they would bleed. Now, I don't know if you remember, about four weeks ago, I talked about the videos coming out of China and how you saw people just collapse and blood coming out of their nose and ears. And I said, the coronavirus does not cause hemorrhagic symptoms. Why is this happening? And what he said is possible is that the people in China who got sick and dropped dead right on the street may have received that experimental vaccine, and that's why they had those symptoms. And there was a timeline there in that vaccination became compulsory on December 1st, 2019. Now, I thought vaccination was compulsory in China years ago, but maybe it's a specific type of vaccination. I don't know. But it became compulsory on December 1st, 2019, and the first cases of coronavirus were reported, you wouldn't want to know it, December 1st, 2019. Whether that is just a strange coincidence or things that make you go, hmm, I don't know. But do yourselves a favor and watch this week's episode of The High Wire. I'm not going to go into everything because I want you to watch it. I want you to see it. Um, and the thing is that we have no evidence that this disease is going to affect people badly if they don't have an underlying condition or they're not extremely elderly and not well. Um, just like the flu, 
just like the cold. The cold can kill anyone if they're sick to begin with, and coronavirus is no different. Um, I'm not going to actually play this video, but I have linked to it. Um, this was, and I'll just, I'll just go off of this screen. Uh, this is linked at the top, and what it is is Studio 10, which I don't watch commercial TV, so I didn't know about this, but someone shared it with me, um, and it's worth watching. On my computer, after about a minute and a half, the video stopped, but I was able to hear the sound. So I don't know if that's just my computer or if that's happening everywhere. Um, there was a young couple on that Diamond Princess cruise ship. That's a cruise ship that's been quarantined for ages, and they couldn't find a place to that would take them. It was like they had the plague, you know, uh, bring out your dead, that, that kind of thing. So this is a young couple from the United States, also from Oregon. Um, and they were on the cruise ship, and what happened was the wife tested positive for this new form of coronavirus. The husband didn't. So when they got to Japan, she was sent to hospital, and he wasn't even allowed to see her. She's been in hospital for, I think, 22 or 23 days now. And they build this on Studio 10 as, today we're going to be interviewing the survivor of the deadly coronavirus. And this woman comes on screen. She looks brilliant. She looks healthy. She looks happy. And she's sitting in a hospital bed. And they said to her, you know, that everybody was applauding. It was like, this is so wonderful. This person survived the coronavirus. She let, gives us all hope. Um, and they asked her, you know, what kind of symptoms do you have? And she said, well, to tell you the truth, I had no symptoms. May have had a little bit of a runny nose, maybe a cough once or twice, but I had no symptoms. They just did the test and found the virus. And the interesting thing is they're probably using the same test that the Centers for Disease Control uses in the United States, which gives a lot of false positives. I forget the percentage, but so many times when it tests, you get a positive result when you don't actually have it. But whether she had it or not, it doesn't matter. She's been in isolation in this Japanese hospital for over three weeks, and she's waiting on her latest test to come back, because if it comes back and shows that she no longer has active virus in her body, they'll let her out. So they went through this whole thing. And basically what it came down to, what it came down to in the end was, well, why are we all panicking? Here's this person who had the coronavirus, and she's fine. She's healthy. Big deal. She had the cold. And it was such a good episode. I want you to watch it. I want you to share it with everyone, because we need to diffuse the panic that mainstream media and the government have been spreading. Because with all of these efforts to make vaccinations compulsory, um, when the coronavirus vaccine comes out, and that will be soon, uh, soon-ish, um, we will be forced to be vaccinated if we don't speak out because the government has the power to do that. So um, on the same High Wire program, uh, Del Bigtree showed a press conference with Dr. Anthony Falsi, who um, I think he was the head of the CDC. He might be the head of the National Institutes of Health. And he was talking about the great work, great work they're doing to bring about this coronavirus vaccine and how quickly they're doing it. You would not believe it. Um, he said that uh, the vaccine for coronavirus has been found. Um, they have one and a half months, one to one and a half months, sorry, I'm reading this as I'm talking to you, um, of the human phase one trials. 
And those are the trials where they test the safety of the vaccine. He said, we'll do up to 45 people. <laughs> up to 45 people. That means it could be less than 45. It could be 20 people. It could be 10 people. This phase one trial is going to last for three to four months. So they're going to give this vaccine, this experimental vaccine, to 45 people. And if they don't all keel over in, in that one to three months, then the vaccine is safe. The thing is, if one or two of them do keel over in that one to three months, most likely they'll be told that it wasn't the vaccine that did it in the first place. So this is all just going through the motions. And even then, 45 people, up to 45 people. So after that one, uh, three to four months, there will be a larger trial where he said hundreds or even thousands of people will be tested. Now, in medical research, the definition of a rare reaction is less than 1 in 10,000. So if you're testing hundreds to thousands, how many reactions are you going to end up missing? Most of them. And again, even if those reactions occur, as we saw with the Gardasil trials, where 17 people died during the pre-licensure trials, they were all assessed to not have been caused by the vaccine. So this is just going through the motions. They don't even have to do this because in the United States, the vaccine manufacturers are indemnified anyway, but they're doing it. They want to look like nice people. And that second phase of trials will last for between six and eight months. So he said, unfortunately, it may be up to a year to a year and a half before we have the vaccine. And I have to tell you, I breathed a sigh of relief when I heard about that. And what Fossey said was this was the fastest, this will be, when they license the vaccine, this will be the fastest licensure from development to actually bringing it to market of any vaccine. And I thought, I think Australia did one better on you. Because what happened in 2010, uh, 2009, with the um, swine flu vaccine that was given in WA and across Australia, the childhood swine flu vaccine, is um, a, a, an emergency was declared. Remember, the World Health Organization declared a, pan, a worldwide pandemic for this particular strain of the flu. And because that emergency had been declared, the government was able to bypass testing the vaccine at all. It was never tested. What they did was they took another vaccine that had been used for a few years, and they said, we'll pretend that this is the vaccine that we're actually using, and we will take this pretend vaccine and look at the studies that were done on it. And in this pretend vaccine, the rate of seizures was only one in a thousand. Did they tell any of the parents that there was a rate of seizures in that vaccine of one in a thousand? No. But they said because the rate of seizures was only one in a thousand, we can expect that this other vaccine is also going to have a rate of seizures in one in a thousand. And it turned out to be one in a hundred rate of seizures. So we, uh, we released a vaccine to market without testing it whatsoever. No testing at all. So when it comes to vaccine safety and vaccine efficacy, we don't have the science because nobody's ever done it. Uh, we're the only ones, and our community are the only ones going out there and saying the emperor has no clothes. Uh, but despite that, 
the government is going out and lying, outright lying on television to try and convince everyone that when this vaccine comes out, it's going to be safe and effective and everybody needs to take it. And by then, we may have a situation where you don't have a choice to say no if we don't stand up now. I'm just going to go through some of the comments. Uh, my daughter looks at any kid with disabilities and asks me if that child is vaccine injured. She's 11 now. We started discussing ingredients and autoimmunity. And that's what we have to do as parents. We have to let them know that this can happen. And I know plenty of people who work in disability support who say that almost all of their clients are vaccine injured. Very sad. Parents can't access vaccination history after the child turns 14. So you definitely need to talk about kids about kids with kids about this issue. And that is true. That's fairly recent. We no longer have... Children of 14 or older can actually choose to be vaccinated without getting your permission, without even telling you about it. They can do it at school. And you have no right to even look at their records. Despite the fact that you're paying for all of their food and lodging and all their medical care. So if your child comes home one day with seizures um, and they never had seizures before, you have no right to even know that they got that vaccine. Um, so yeah, the fear campaign on silly sheep media. And that's exactly right. And, and the people who listen to that without doing their own investigations, well, I'm sorry, they're also rather sheep-like. Um, <laughs> the sky is falling, Chicken Little. Shouldn't we learn like the villagers in the boy that cried wolf? Yes, we should. And how many times can they use the same exact um, process of trying to convince us that this is the vaccine that's finally going to kill us all before we realize that they're lying through their teeth um, and that they actually are the wolf? There is no wolf except for the government and the medical community. Um, this corrupt government want any other news except what they are doing, yes. And a lot of people are saying that this is a major distraction. The thing is that this distraction is destroying the world economy. Um, and, you know, Wall Street's down like 10% in two days. It's ridiculous. Um, over nothing. Over nothing. <laughs> I think there are less than 100 people in the United States who've been diagnosed with coronavirus, this form of coronavirus, and most of them, um, we're off of cruise ships that had recently traveled to Asia. So um, there's, a, there's one case in California of a woman who was diagnosed with coronavirus. Now, is it because the test is no good or not? I don't know. But they're saying now this woman has no contact with anyone who had traveled to Asia or with anyone who was diagnosed with coronavirus. And they came so close on the media. I was I was waiting for them to say it. So close to saying maybe it was spontaneous generation, which is it was something that science used to believe about 150 years ago that that diseases made themselves. They created themselves out of the ether. And it was so close to them saying this. It was just I was really wanting them to do it <laughs> just to show how stupid they are. Um, the U.S. government spent millions on Zika. They actually spent billions on Zika. And they've spent billions, and so has the Australian government, on things like Tamiflu, which not only don't work but are more dangerous than what they're trying to prevent. 
Dell is something else, another we should be supporting financially. Absolutely. And the AVN made a donation to Dell Big Tree for 2020 because he is the only one in the United States with Bobby Kennedy who is actually taking lawsuits. Um, and with all of his information, with coming out on Under the Wire, with the fact that he has very high-powered producers on his show, with all of that, he is reaching literally millions of people, something that nobody else is able to do. So we really need to support him um, and get the word out there. So, yeah, go to thehighwire.com, and there's a donation link there. Again, it's like there's so many good causes that people need to donate to, and I want everybody to support everything. So if you can support everything, support Dell as well. Um, if you can't support us <laughs> and support Lindsay Day's fundraiser because those are really important. They're all really important. I don't even know what to say. Um, there's only so much money going around. But um, all of these are great causes and they do need to be supported. Um, the only pandemic is that of panic. And that's, that's a huge pandemic and it's causing a lot of harm, a lot of harm. Uh, global pandemic stocks. Yeah, the pharmaceutical stocks have been going up like crazy. Um, SARS coronavirus. Hang on a second. I just clicked on it by accident. Uh, what is that link? Um, everybody, I'm not sure what that link is, but Sharon's sharing a link about coronavirus, uh, which looks like it's coming from a medical journal. And then you had the expert on TV telling people to get a flu shot to cover them for flu and coronavirus. Exactly. It is so stupid. These experts have no idea what they're doing. Two separate viruses. Even if you believe that the flu vaccine is effective, the fact that we have a different flu vaccine every year is because this strain of the flu vaccine won't protect you against a different strain of the flu virus. So how the heck is it going to protect you against a totally different virus, coronavirus? They will push vaccines at every opportunity, whether it makes sense or not, whether it will be effective or not, whether it will hurt or harm. It doesn't matter. The idea is to push the vaccines at every chance you get. Um, that's insane and should be criminal. You're right. That's what the police should be investigating, not the fact that someone put information cards inside of a box of nappies. The fact that people are on television who are um, recognized by the media as experts and yet they're lying to the population, that's the real problem. Um, they already think unvaccinated people can spread diseases they don't have. I know. It is. Wow. There's no science in that. There's not even any logic in that. But it doesn't stop them from saying it. Um, and Sharon says, I'm suspicious about the accuracy of testing as we have all likely been exposed to coronavirus in the past. I think every one of us have had a cold at some point in our lives, sometimes many. Um, I, I read many years ago that there were something over 250 strains of the common cold that had been recognized. And at the time they said that's why we'll never be able to vaccinate against it because there are just too many strains. Uh, that's no longer an issue. Um, whatever strains they can shove into a vaccine, they will do. But um, yeah, most of us will have immunity to a coronavirus strain. And I just thought of something you raised there, Sharon. I remember in 2010 when, and 2009 when the swine flu outbreak was around, um, 
a study came out of Canada that said that people who had gotten swine flu in the 1970s when there was an outbreak in the United States and Canada, and it was a different strain of swine flu. It was still swine flu, but it was a different strain completely, that they were protected from the current 2009-2010 swine flu where the people who'd gotten the vaccine were not. So is it possible that if you had a strain of the coronavirus in the past and just got over that cold, would you be protected against the current strain of coronavirus? I don't know, but it, that, that question just popped into my head. Um, does anyone know if anyone outside of China had the bleeding you mentioned with coronavirus? I haven't heard of that. All the, all the news stories I've read or seen, and I haven't seen many because I don't watch TV, but um, all of the news stories I've seen have said that it's the symptoms of the cold. It's runny nose, coughing, fever. That's it. And the interesting thing is that they're testing people coming into Australia from Asia, and what they're doing is just having them walk past a um, like an infrared camera that tests their temperature. And if their temperature is elevated, then they're going to test them further to see if they have coronavirus, where that's not really an accurate way of testing people because most people who get any virus will have no symptoms whatsoever. So people can have the virus in their body and spread it without having symptoms. That's an asymptomatic infection, and it's very common. And that's why the whole idea of herd immunity is such a joke, because we can all have these viruses and bacteria in our systems. They can be replicating and not causing any disease symptoms, but we can transmit them to other people. Um, and if those other people are immune suppressed in some way, they can get sick from it. If they're healthy, they generally won't. So um, the whole situation in China is that nobody really knows what's going on in China. And Whatever China says, you can't believe it anyway. Um, but the interesting thing is, and here's another, um, I guess, silver lining to this cloud, is that about 80 to 85% of all the drugs and vaccines manufactured in the world um, are made in China. And there are worldwide shortages of vaccines that are supposedly happening right now. So um, maybe it'll make countries decide that they should not outsource this sort of manufacturing to a nation that put melamine in baby formula and has allowed all sorts of shonky practices to happen in their manufacturing facilities, not just their uh, other products, but like, you know, all the formaldehyde that's been found in blankets coming out of China. But their drugs, too, and their vaccines have been found to be severely contaminated. Um, so, you know, the silver lining is countries may actually decide to take responsibility for their own vaccines and drugs now and not outsource them. Um, and the last thing that I do want to say, which I have noticed and that people have said on the Internet, and whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I'm going to share my thoughts about this. Just before this outbreak in China, for several months, there had been uh, huge uh, protests in Hong Kong. And the government, the Chinese government would normally clamp down on that like a ton of bricks. But because they were being watched, especially by uh, Donald Trump, who was constantly sending warnings, don't you dare hurt those protesters, um, the government probably felt a bit restricted into what they could do, and the protests were spreading 
to the mainland. Uh, there were uh, outcries of freedom on the mainland. And then the coronavirus outbreak happened, and nobody hears anything anymore about the protesters in Hong Kong. And there are videos online of people who are perfectly healthy being physically dragged into vans and taken away never to be seen again. And a lot of people are saying that the Chinese government is using this as a smokescreen to round up dissidents. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, because the Chinese economy is being destroyed by this coronavirus outbreak. So are the, are, is the government using this conveniently to do something else? Uh, I don't know, but I doubt very much that they would destroy their own economy. Um, I think that they are as hoodwinked as everyone else by this emergency of coronavirus. So um, I've been on here for almost an hour and a half. I just can't seem to help myself, and I'm sorry. And thank you for sticking with me through this whole um, broadcast. There was a lot to cover today. I just want to recap. If you live in Victoria or South Australia, get online today. Get those letters written. Get them out. Tuesday or Wednesday next week, follow up with a phone call, contact the groups that are linked in our newsletter. That's what I forgot to do. Oh, I had a, I had this here. Hang on a second. Oh, I must have. All right. I have this here. Let me just find it. Darn. Oh, it's on the bus one. Hang on. Here we go. Back to the vaxxed bus. Um... Here we go. Bear with me a minute, and I do apologize for taking so long. All right. So for everybody who is not already subscribed to the AVN's free e-newsletter, I'm going to show you how to do that. Go to avn.org.au, and on our homepage, just under the banner, you can see it there, you see this thing that says Receive Our Newsletter? Have our newsletter delivered to your inbox so you can keep up with the latest news. Put your name and your email address in there. Click submit. You will be subscribed. With social media clamping down harder basically every day, I can no longer share a lot of things on Facebook because I'm totally blocked from doing that. Um, we need to find another way to communicate with everyone. So please subscribe to our newsletter. Keep up to date. And write those letters and make those phone calls if you're in South Australia or Victoria. We need everybody down there to pull together and to protect your rights. So until next week, oh, and I want to say one more thing before I go. I do apologize. Last week, I did an absolutely brilliant interview, if I do say so myself, with Shannon Croner. And um, the sound did not work. It didn't come out. I'm working with Ecamm. There was an update to the software, and I think that caused the problem. I'm working with Ecamm, but until I know that that problem has been fixed, I'm not going to be doing any more interviews. But I have a lineup of some amazing people to interview. And as soon as this situation is fixed, trust me, I will be bringing interviews to you because I know you guys really love interviews. You like to hear other people besides me rabbit on. So, um, Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for understanding the lack of an under-the-wire last week. And thank you for sharing today's broadcast and future broadcasts because we really need to get this information out there. So until next week, I'm going to say goodbye from Under the Wire. Um, thank you again for joining us. And thank you for 
uh, pitching in and helping with these efforts to support freedom in Australia. Take care.